welcome to What's Pairs' podcast. Um, I haven't changed my name since last time. It's still Robert. And I'm Steve. I'm Damien. And I'm James. And on this episode, we're going to be talking about some of our favourite plays, films, musicals, and other forms of media entertainment. And if that's your thing and you're watching on YouTube, why not like, comment, and subscribe? And if you listen to us on any other platform, please hit that follow button. What are you guys into? I do like my horror films. I do. Uh, yeah, horror, sci-fi, um, adventures as well, yeah. But mainly horrors. That's my favourite. A horror sci-fi is a good combo too. Yeah, I like, I like horror films as well. Uh, me, personally, I'm interested in the sci-fi, um, especially when it's to do with like time travel, uh, films like Frequency. Uh, it's, it's a film, but it's also a TV uh, show. Um, it's only got like 13 episodes, though. It, it did get cancelled after the first uh, season. Me, personally, I would have liked to see where it, where it went in the second uh, season, um, but unfortunately it got, it got cancelled. But yeah, I do, like if you guys haven't seen it, I do recommend that if you're into like the time travel stuff. Um, I've got the Terminator films in mind. Oh. Uh, like, what's what's your what's your opinions of those films? If 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 you've watched them, I haven't seen a single one. <laughs> oh god, <laughs> well, I haven't seen the uh, latest one, uh, Dark Fate. Uh, yeah, I haven't seen that one. I've seen up to Genesis. Well, this is just my my own personal opinion. I don't even bother watching Dark oh. Fate. I mean, it's in my opinion, it's 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 a good film if it was actually the third film because it was originally going to be the third film just my own opinion just because of all the timelines and the jumping back and forth between time and etc it's just sort of messed things up even more i think they've made like way too many films of it and i know it's about money and etc you know a lot of the time but um because they made this later film, I think they need one more film just to wrap things up and make everything make sense again. If you watch the films just once, it is a little difficult to follow along. You do need to have someone explain it to you. Talking of uh, convoluted films that don't make any sense, have you seen Tenet yet, the new Christopher Nolan film? Not yet, no. I'd like to. I haven't seen that one, no. I saw it in the cinema a few weeks ago. Okay. And um, it was kind of cool, some parts of it, but it was very, very convoluted and uh, trying a bit too hard to be clever, I thought. It had some very impressive visual sequences and stuff like that. There's a bit where they crash a plane into an airport terminal. And uh, apparently they did that in real life. It was an actual plane and everything. It wasn't CGI. And there was a lot of very, very clever kind of visuals and things like that, but it was... The plot was a little unintelligible, I think, would be an apt description. But I haven't actually seen any of his other films. I, I, Inception, I think, is the, the most famous one of his. Oh, Inception? Yeah. I've heard of that. I've watched it. I've seen it. It's uh, it's yeah, it's interesting. Didn't Rick and Morty kind of do a spoof of that? Yeah, I have seen that. Has everyone seen Rick and Morty? No, I was about to say I've never seen an episode of Rick and Morty. <laughs> How dare you? I've heard people talk about it, obviously, but I don't know. It's a, it's it's a bit like Family Guy or you know those kind of shows. It's just it's not really my thing. Fair enough. The only really like cartoony kind of show uh, like that I like is um, I don't think it's even on TV anymore. But uh, it's South Park. Um, I used I used to watch that. Talking of um, talking of adult 
animated comedies have you seen have any of you seen Bojack Horseman I've seen bits I haven't seen a whole one I'd very much recommend it it's kind of it's set up a bit like one of those comedy shows like Family Guy or whatever but it's uh, it's actually like a very tastefully and, and well written drama as well like about depression and, and things like that it's, it's a serious drama hidden in a a garish cartoon uh, I was going to ask, has anyone heard of the, of the movie called The Room? Oh, dear God. The, the Room by Tommy Wiseau. Do we have to talk <laughs> about that? Um, is it is it like a horror film, is it? No, oh, no, it's not a horror film. It's trying to be a tasteful drama, but it's... Uh, All right. It's, re- it's so badly made, so badly <laughs> written, so badly acted. Yeah. Just everything about it is like... Every creative decision was the wrong creative decision yeah. you know it's like it's like if every creative decision is a, a a junction where you can either take one route or the other you can either take the correct route or the bad route and it's like every creative decision they've chosen the bad route it's it's like <laughs> just it's like you can't believe how bad it is like how did someone make something so bad without trying to <laughs> how long was the credits at the end well, considering every name was him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Directed by Tommy Wiseau. <laughs> produced. Well, yeah. Starred. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just mentioned the credits at the end because it always surprises me, really. Uh, you know, when, when you watch the film and you're seeing all these names, you know, scrolling uh, along, along your screen, it, it always surprises me, like, how much people's actually involved to make, you know, a 90-minute film. Um, yeah. It's like, really, do we, do we need these people? I mean... Some 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 of these titles next to these people's names, like I I don't even know what they are. <laughs> no, no, I mean, uh, best boy. I mean, what's a best boy? I've seen that a few times on credits. <laughs> like, what the hell's a best yeah, boy? I've that. <laughs> but in our film at the end, I'm gonna put best boy Steve. Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> he he's been a very good boy on set today. <laughs> you can have a credit. He's behaved himself. He's learned his lines. He's shown up on time. <laughs> And you get a little sticker. <laughs> it's a I've been brave today sticker. <laughs> this is the kind of thing I have to put up with from these young uns. Oh, here we go. Things like things weren't like they were in the good old days. Eh? No, no, they're not. No, that's true. <laughs> oh, back in the day, things used to be a lot easier. <laughs> Hello, Future James here. I'm partly through editing the podcast and at this point in the recording, Rob's cat came into view and we spent about 10 minutes talking about it, which eventually led us on to talking about the recent critically panned Andrew Lloyd Webber film of the same name. Absolutely hate it, dreadful, want it uh, to not exist in this world and yeah, it's horrible. You heard it here, folks, first. Sounds like a bit of a hot take you've got there, Damien. I've had to set the movie up a few times when I was in when I was working, and the amount of times I had to watch the opening ten minutes of it, <laughs> oh, it just goes through me now. Uh, talking about more recent films, uh, yeah. one that we were talking about the other day um, that's coming out fairly soon is a film called The Father. Oh yes, which is based on a play that we read. In our, we have this little script reading club that some of us do each week, and we read this play a couple of weeks ago, and it was a pretty good play. It's about um, it's about dementia, 
and uh, yeah, it was pretty clever. And the film, they just coincidentally are doing a film adaptation with Olivia Coleman and a well-known actor whose name I forget. So Anthony Hopkins. That's the one. <laughs> oh, what's what's it about? Uh, it's from a, the perspective of a guy who's got dementia, an old man. Yeah. Things keep changing. So there's like two different actresses that play his daughter. So at one point, the so we've seen the daughter on stage for a while. And then in one particular scene, this other woman comes on and he says, basically, who the hell are you? And the audience are thinking, who the hell yeah. are you? And she's like, what do you mean, who the hell am I? I'm your daughter. Like, So it's from... It's, from that angle, which I thought was pretty clever. Yeah, it shows the uh, progression of um, dementia. dementia, yeah, really. Uh, what kind of films do you like, Damien? Films that I like. I, like, I do like my horror as well. Just something about uh, something about the old classic movies, sort of like Nightmare on Elm Street, you know, the mm-hmm. whole Freddy Krueger stories. Yeah, I like the Halloween series. Yeah, um, the John Carpenter John Carpenter Halloween series is like one of oh, my yeah. favorites. I um I also like um well, what's it called again? Uh, Friday Thirteenth. That's it. And yeah, the Chucky series, Child Play. Yeah, yeah. Oh Chucky! Oh God! Don't even mention. Ch- I mean, I like Chucky, but I hate Chucky. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's that doll with the knife just creeps me out. <laughs> It's funny that I still like horror movies because according to my dear mum, and hello mum if you're listening to this, um, when I was three, I um, I basically took put the Omen uh, video in the VCR and just played it and I was sat there laughing at the, at the movie The Omen. Meanwhile, when I was about four, I got scared of an episode of Balamori. So I guess we're uh, maybe temperamentally different. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that, 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 that song at the beginning is very... Very scary, that song. Uh, how do you get scared at Balamori? The shop was getting burgled. There was a burglar hiding in the shop. Right. It was a very scary, intense scene. I, I remember getting horribly scared by uh, Doctor Who in 2005 with um, The Empty Child. With the... Yeah, that's it. I was just looking at it now, trying to see what episode number it is, but I can't <laughs> find it. But yeah, I, I was just about to say I was scared by that as well. Is that the, are you my mummy? Yes, it ah, is. I it was. I think, yeah, I'm not, I'm not particularly into horror films and stuff like that, but I think sometimes, um, yeah, I suppose you could call it maybe psychological horror because there's no, with some of those Doctor Who stories, it's like it, there's no particular kind of blood and guts or anything like that, but it's just stuff that's like really unsettling and creepy, like mm. gas masks or the, the weeping angels or whatever. I think if I was if I watched The Empty Child again now, I'd still be really creeped out by it. I didn't see the second half of it until I was nineteen in my first year of uni. It took me that long to pluck up the courage to watch the second half of it. <laughs> um, yeah, I I quite like sort of uh, comedies. I'm not particularly into horror. Um, yeah, sort of comedy films uh, like Monty Python films. I'm a big fan of Taika Waititi. He had a film called Jojo Rabbit that came out last year. Uh, that was a really good film. And then some of his other films, like What We Do in the Shadows, which is a mockumentary about vampires living in modern-day New Zealand that I think they made into a TV show as well. 
That was really good. Um, yeah, uh, some sci-fi, some fantasy. Been watching some old, some really old films recently as well, like um, some like it hot. Oh yeah. Been watching some of those kinds of things. I watched the film version of Streetcar Named Desire with Marlon Brando recently as well. Watched some Fred Astaire films recently, which are unchallenging but quite just fun and nostalgic, which maybe is what you need during a pandemic. Yeah. The other week I saw uh, an Italian art house film called The Great Beauty, uh, which was slightly pretentious but very good. Oh, and I also watched The Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus oh, the other week yeah. as well, which is a Terry Gilliam film. That's really a good film. Yeah. I haven't seen that in a while. I'd like to see it again. Famous for being the last film that Heath Ledger was in. Yeah. He died partway through production. So they replaced him with Johnny Depp and... Colin Farrell. I think Jude Law as well. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Have you got any favourite musicals, either films or stage shows? With musical films, I I, I, I always... It, it always seems a bit strange to me that suddenly... They could be talking, and then suddenly they just jump into sinning. <laughs> just, <laughs> just randomly. It just seems so random to me. <laughs> yeah, I think that's particularly more prevalent with more modern with more modern musical films as well, because I think we're so used to things that are really naturalistic. Mm. I think it. I think it works better in older films because they're a bit more artificial. From what I watched of Mamma Mia two, it is so obvious that they're lip syncing. Them doing a lot of different movements that are quite obvious and make you out of breath when you're singing, but it sounds completely clear. There's something called Uncanny Valley, where it kind of gives you a little spookiness that something's not right. And that's what I'm getting with a lot of the musicals these days. <clears throat> My favourite yeah. musical in, definitely is Les Miserables. I think with Les Mis, they rec- I believe, I don't know if this is right, I believe they recorded the singing live on set, so you're you are actually seeing them singing a performance. Is that right? I think so, yeah. Um, mm. But they, on live on set anyway, had um, had little earphones that they had to CGI out throughout the whole entire oh. movie as well. And even though even they'd done that, it made it real for me. Like, they put the effort into doing that. It made it yeah. seamless. <clears throat> it's so much more like an, an opera yeah, lamest because it's sung whole the whole way through, but it's also it has musical themes that that repeat and and mm. develop and and are used in different contexts. It's a very it's a far more classical kind of piece, and I I think it really works really well um, as a musical. I, I'd love to see it on stage. Um, mm. uh, I've heard it said that the film is ruined by one single performance, which is quite quite an impressive feat. Uh, Russell Crowe is pretty terrible in it but I mean that's it's been said before. To be fair I kind of liked it. I kind of liked Russell Crowe's Javert. Like yeah it was stiff. It looked like he was just talking to a wall but it worked somehow. I think the best possibly the best film musical is The Sound of Music. Partly because the the, the original stage production is good but they there are a few things they changed about it for the film that I think are good improvements and like it's so well shot and the, the whole scenery and everything's so good and Julie Andrews is great as well so so Steve what are your have you got a favourite film musical uh, yeah there's three that come to mind that I like uh, one is Rocky Horror Picture Show 
also Little Shop of Horrors, which I've just realised both contain the word horror, <laughs> strangely enough. <laughs> and then the, the third one I like, which has singing in as well, which is, is a film called Labyrinth. It's got David Bowie in it as the Goblin King. Well, we've talked about films. we talked about musicals. we talked about film musicals. Uh, why don't we talk about some plays that we've seen either uh, on screen or on stage that we've mm. that we've liked? Well, actually, James, funny you should ask, really, because I've been thinking for a while, and I generally have been thinking for a while about this play, a, a play called Man and Superman. The play was about an idea of heaven and hell, and it's about being in purgatory. That was interesting. It was very interesting. It, it just gave an interesting view of what other people's opinions of afterlife are. Oh, like, cool. On this play, if I remember correctly, because I watched this about six, seven years ago at this point. Okay. Um, that hell is supposed to be this fun place where everyone wants to be. And that was good. heaven is this boring politics businessmen. That's where they go to, to just do paperwork and stuff like that for hours on end. I'm gonna. Wa- I want to watch that again at some point. Yeah. Oh, it's George Bernard Shaw. Was it? Did you see a, a broadcast of it, Damien? Yes, it was a broadcast. Yeah. Some of those broadcasts have been really good. It's a really good way of. I think I mentioned it in the last last episode. It's a really good way of seeing lots of different plays and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. And some of them have been on on YouTube as well. Just during lockdown and stuff like that, they broadcast lots of them. Most of which have been really good. Um, like we had Jane Eyre, it was a really good version of that, and Small Island as well, one of my favourite ones. What about you, Rob? Uh, what about me? Um, I've seen I've seen two Shakespeare plays. One of them was Midsummer Night's Dream or something. Yeah, that's the one. Uh, yeah, that's the one. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the other one, uh, oh, the Merry Wives of Windsor. Oh, it's an interesting one to see. These two, have you yeah. seen them on stage or on stage? Yeah, right. um, nice. Uh, I got the uh, Arisi. I think out of all of us, I think I'm the only one who hasn't done a Shakespeare play. So I don't know how difficult it is to learn learn the lines. Um, but yeah, uh, those two plays I've, I've uh, of Shakespeare that I've seen, which I really enjoyed uh, both of them. Um, I think with with uh, learning Shakespeare, I think. I've always thought that although it's more difficult to learn, I think it sticks in your head for a lot longer. I think since my first one, which was The Tempest, which was over three years ago now, I can still remember my lines from that better than I can for plays that I've done, you know, a year ago or something like that. Interesting. Uh, it's yeah. more memorable in the long run, yeah. although it does take a little longer to get to that yeah to get to that i mean i i was i was told once you if you if you understand like what the words are uh what the words mean then it's easier to learn them but if you're just learning it like just a bunch of words then that's more difficult way to learn them yeah Um, but and and of course it it helps with the performance as well i mean obviously you know to be able to actually have to understand what it is you're saying yeah otherwise it just comes across as I've always struggled learning my lines with Shakespeare. Like, I've always struggled learning it. I couldn't grasp learning it very well. It took me a long time to learn a whole page. And even then I struggled uh, with a few parts being added in and taken out. Any small change to what I've just learned throws me completely off. 
But once once you get your head around it, I find that it's plain sailing after that. I found the easiest way for me to learn it was to learn the uh, monologue, the main monologues first, because then once I get that out of the way, the <clears throat> smaller smaller parts end up just clicking. I got I got the base of the character already from learning the monologues. I feel like it naturally flows after that. Yeah, that's interesting. I think when 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 we did the Tempest, I literally learned it. I was playing two different characters, and so I I just learned it in order. I just went through like here's the f- first page that I'm in. Here's the first scene that I'm in, and I learned that even if I was learning different characters in different scenes, uh, I think it was just a different approach. I just found it easier to go through completely methodically. But you know, obviously, each person is. Um, each person's different, so yeah. Mm. What about you, Steve? I quite like um, uh, doing comedy or farces, as they're called. Uh, drinking habits was a fun one to do that we did, and uh, we read one in a script club the other night. That was that was quite farcical. That would be really fun to do. I mean, yeah, I've seen a few Shakespeare's on the uh, uh, live broadcasts. Uh, Twelfth Night. I always enjoy watching uh, Midsummer Night's Dream other versions. But uh, see, seeing them on screen is never as effective as going and seeing them live no, on that's stage. True. true, true. You feel more part of the energy. Yeah, if, if that's the right way of saying it. Yeah, yeah. when you're there watching yeah, it on stage. Yeah, yeah, you do. Yeah, yeah. I think particularly open air performances as well can be of uh, you know Shakespeare plays like. A few years ago, I saw a production of Midsummer Night's Dream in Chester uh, that was open air and in the round and beautiful summer's night. And it was uh, just a perfect atmosphere for the kind of the magic of the play and uh, just the whole kind of world of it worked really well. Open air, really, really good production. Um I remember, uh, yeah, I remember coming to see Drinking Habits. Um, I remember particularly enjoying that. That production, yeah, it was really fun, really fun play. At the start of that play, that was my first ever time being on on the stage. <laughs> yeah, I'd forgotten you were in. I forgot you were in that. I, I just my part was kind of... so small. I had like four <laughs> lines or something. You just forgotten. See, now you've said that, I can. Yeah, I remember going uh, at the end. Going, who was that guy? Why was he in it one scene? <laughs> what was that about? <laughs> I was in two scenes actually, two scenes. But oh, two scenes. the first scene, I had words to say. The um, the second scene was at the start of Act Two, and I just had to bring like a bowl on and a few things on, put them on the table, and like, yeah, here you go, and then walk <laughs> off. So that was my big moment. You can afford that if you don't pay any of you, if the actors <laughs> don't get paid. <laughs> um, what plays would be my favourites? I mean, in terms of Shakespeare, I think my favourite is Julius Caesar. It was the first one I saw live at, in Stratford. Um, really enjoyed it. I uh, really like that play and some of the speeches. Uh, Midsummer Night's Dream is obviously brilliant. Uh, Macbeth is obviously brilliant. And I really like The Winter's Tale. I don't know if any of you have seen that one. I haven't. I've heard of it, though. Um, it's one of the late romance plays. So it's it's kind of like The Tempest, but I think it's better. Because Acts... The, I say Act 1... The first half of it is um, like a tragedy, and then the second half 
turns into a comedy and it has a happy ending and it's uh, really nice. And it's famous for having the exit pursued by Bear. Oh, yes. Direction. In terms of Shakespeare, my two favourites, my number one favourite is Romeo and Juliet. Yeah. Because of um, a, there's a few lines in there that I've always kind of remembered. For example, Friar Lawrence's Hold Thy Desperate Hand. Art thou, art thou a man, like um, the fool's crowd thou art. That he is a womanish, that wild axe note the unreasonable fear of a beast, and so on and so on and so on. Yeah, she says the line, I, and so on and so on and so on. No, he doesn't. Oh, right, okay. My second, fa- <laughs> my second favourite Shakespeare play is uh, Macbeth. Ah, yes. Uh, Non-Shakespeare, though. I think I really like uh, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, uh, which I saw broadcast with Imelda Staunton. Um, she, um, really like that play, and she was really good in that production. And uh, there's also there's a famous film version of it, which is equally good. Uh, I'd love to do that play one day. It's a four-hander. A non-Shakespearean play I've watched in Nihadra that I did like, actually, as well, was um, I watched it at a live broadcast. I think it was National Theatre. Mm. And it was the curious incident of the dog in the night time. I had a workshop in school one time with the people that I think they did the kind of choreography and stuff for that production. Mm. Oh, I haven't actually seen the play. I'd like to see mm-hmm. it. One Man, Two Governors is a. That was another one that was broadcast. It was kind of not challenging particularly, but it was just really fun. It was quite funny, to be fair. They can't. They couldn't have cast it any better. Are they? Oh, they did Frankenstein as well. They showed oh, that yeah. with uh, Cumberbatch and Johnny Lee Miller. That's the one. Um, Small Island I mentioned earlier was really really good as well. So there were some great ones in in that series. It was really. Probably the best part of lockdown for me. Right, so we are coming up to the end of this uh, second episode. Uh, If you guys have enjoyed and are watching on YouTube, then please hit that like button, subscribe to the channel, and comment down below telling us what you think. We'll be posting on a Khaldrap YouTube page and the Hereafter Productions Bandcamp. Check out the links in the description for our other channels and websites. And it's goodbye from me. And it's a goodbye from me. It's a goodbye from me. And to play us out, uh, we're going to play a song that I wrote for an early panto. Um, We mentioned Les Mis earlier, and this was definitely inspired by Les Mis, particularly the song One Day More, which ends uh, Act 1. And this song was also the ending of Act 1 of Robin Hood, and it's called Dark Before the Dawn. Thank you for listening. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Listen, can you hear the wind blow? The safety of the forest to the wild open road. It's time to go defeat our foes or die. It's time to be here. They say it's only darkest before the dawn They say that only love can help us weather the storm So shout it from the windows And tear down the walls And set the It's time to go defeat our 
Safety out the forest to the wild open road. 